Hello and welcome to the CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman, and I am joined, as always, by Xavier Trish and Nicholas Ian Allen. Nick, how was the weekend for you? I think we're all depressed. <laughs> it, it was a good week overall. Uh, the old alma mater, uh, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, did not win for the first time uh, this year. So that was a bit of a disappointment. But uh, on the other hand, the uh, the numbers we were expecting South Carolina to cover. So uh, there's at least a silver lining there uh, on my end. Yeah, they cover. But I know Xavier probably uh, does not feel the same way. No, 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 no. Honestly, it, it, it's so, what was so disheartening is this was the first game I got media credentials to Georgia. Uh, you know, went there as a part of a newspaper. I was ec- ecstatic. Obviously, it was a conference game too, so I knew it wasn't going to be one of these blowouts. So I was going to get great photos of, you know what I'm saying, Georgia winning and us celebrating. And instead, I have a photo of Rodrigo Blankenship's head in his kneecaps. As as the field goal was missed, so uh, you know, I, but I'll look at the positives when we get around to it. I'll look at the positives. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think we know what the bad luck is. So, uh. <laughs> wow, one one appearance, one okay. You know what? It's funny because I I have credentials to the Missouri game too. So and now they're right. So who knows what's gonna happen? Oh, yeah. Missouri's tough. Missouri's a tough team, too. So uh, just looking back overall, Nick, how did uh, how did the CFB winning edge perform? So uh, for week seven. So overall, for all the games that we uh, project, which we do project all of our games for uh, our patrons, um, the uh, projection system actually had its best winning percentage of the season. So overall, all games considered, uh, it was the best week we had. So it's kind of interesting. This time last week, I was talking about how, oh, we were, you know, right around 500 in week six, but these particular games that we care more about uh, really, really did well. So it's uh, not exactly the opposite this week, but it's interesting because we had our best week overall, but some of those games that we care most about uh, actually didn't do as well so uh we we had a just a huge uh run where we were i think 10 and 1 in a stretch of 11 games where uh our projections differed on who should be favored according you know compared to the las vegas point spread so uh those games we actually only went one and three this past week so that was a bit of a disappointment and then we split the four uh, games between ranked teams. We were on a, a really, really good run uh, on those games. So we went two and two this week. Uh, but we did continue to to do well in in games where a ranked team played a power five opponent. We were ten and five in those. So uh, two thirds of of those were winners, which which is good. That's a good sign. That's we we like to we we really want to to you know the games that people care the most about ranked teams, uh, uh, you know, uh, certain games where we think, you know, this this is the, the wrong team here is favored. Um, th- those are the ones that I personally care most about. Uh, so want those to do well. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done pretty well for the year in those situations. Uh, we're at 54.5% on a false favorite or, or when the wrong team is favored. Uh, we're 53.3% in games between two ranked opponents, and we're 53.8% uh, 
in uh, games that are a uh, top 25 team versus a power five opponent. So would like to see those tick up uh, a little bit more, but uh, overall feel pretty good about it. And then it's, it's always nice to have a good week, a good winning week uh, for, for all the games considered. Um, well, I mean, uh, Xavier and I are, are happy that, that you're happy. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much it right Let's take a look back at the games that we picked for last week. And we start out with uh, Wisconsin playing against Michigan State, hosting Michigan State. And uh, this was their fourth shutout of the year for Wisconsin. They beat down Sparty 38 zip. This was total domination from uh, kickoff to the end. And this Wisconsin right now, Xavier, I know you're not the biggest uh, college fantasy football fan, but Wisconsin right now is the number two scorer behind Jalen Hurts. That's in, wow. in, in just regular leagues because they have wow. four shutouts. <laughs> they just Fair keep enough. stomping people. So, uh, Nick, tell us about how this game played out. And, um, I mean, this I expected Wisconsin to win, but this was just unbelievable. That's lacking. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, you know, we we talked about it last year. Our projection was very close to uh, the the Vegas point spread as far as uh, we had Wisconsin projected to win twenty one to ten, and expected a pretty close game. Maybe they would pull away late, but Wisconsin just, I mean, thirty eight to nothing. I I did not see that coming. Uh, Michigan State just. <laughs> wasn't able to really to do uh, anything offensively. Wisconsin continues. They're, they're, you know, I think probably one of the most surprising teams to me this year. I think they were about 40th in our preseason team strength ratings, and they have played legitimately like a top five team. I mean, they rank number six in our team performance ratings. They rank fifth in net yards per play, meaning they're outgaining their opponents by three point two five yards per snap that's pretty incredible i mean top five in the country so uh you know they they continue to look dominant very impressive performance from wisconsin xavier what do you see out of this game I just see that my preseason prediction to Michigan State winning the Big Ten has completely gone out the window. I mean, goodness gracious, I did not see what's coming. And you know what? I feel really bad for the Michigan State defense. They are playing with one of the most inept offenses in definitely in the Big Ten. I mean, once again, for the second game in a row, the, the Michigan State defense did as much as they could for the first half. It's the first and, game Jonathan Taylor yeah. didn't have 100 yards rushing. So I mean, the defense comes to play. The offense is non-existent. I, I just I don't know what to say. Wisconsin definitely looks for real, though. Putting 38 up on that defense is something that you can definitely hang your hat on going forward for Wisconsin as their schedule gets harder and gets tougher and tougher and the ranked games start to kind of flood in in the next couple of weeks. Uh, For Sparty, it's it's a bad time to start losing. Uh, They have Penn State in two weeks, uh, and then they get a little reprieve after that. But this was a bad time for your offense not to show up against the number four and number six ranked teams in the country. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Maybe they'll find something new in the, in the, in the bye week this week, but they've got to find something. Cause right now they're just pulling at straws to see who's going to be the quarterback of that team. 
it's not going great for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they need a complete restructuring on offense. You know what? Maybe they should just get an Alabama offensive coordinator. It's worked no. so well for Michigan. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to USC and Notre Dame, and I I got to be honest, I didn't get to see one second of this game because of my baseball nerd conference I was at this weekend. But um, uh, I did. I was score watching, and I saw that. Notre Dame was up 17 to three at halftime. And I was like, well, this is going exactly how I thought it was going to go. And then USC scored 24 points in the second half. And, you know, I don't know how close they were. They were to pulling this off, but they got within three points. Uh, I thought this was going to be an absolute Notre Dame ass kicking. It wasn't that way. Um, USC always has had great recruits and skilled players, but Nick, uh, how did this one play out? Because I didn't get to see any of it. Yeah, it, it's surprising because I, I did have this game on uh, one of my featured screens. So, you know, I, I have a, a modest office, but I do. Uh, I can watch like six games at a time. And and this was in a, in a premium spot. So I was excited about this game. We had talked about it. I really uh, was, you know, obviously we called for Notre Dame to, to we had a pretty big edge according to our numbers. I personally thought Notre Dame was going to be able to uh, sort of flex its muscle a little bit. And it looked like that early uh, to the point where I actually pulled this off and replaced it with another game. Uh, I thought, you know, all right, we've got it in the bag. Um, But uh, all of a sudden, USC just sort of came back out of nowhere and and (laughs) it got a little uh, too close for comfort almost uh, towards the end. Uh, It was a a pretty surprising performance. But, you know, when you have a a team that uh, by all accounts, from everything I've heard, Clay Helton is just like an incredibly good guy. And he, you know, people in the media and, and even we've talked about it, you know, it's, it's, he's kind of a dead man walking, right? He's, yeah. he's probably he's not be Urban out of there. Meyer. Right. Right. And, <laughs> right. and so, uh, on one hand, you, you've got a team that keeps hearing like, all right, our guys, he's gone. But then on the other hand, you keep hearing, or, or you know, I've, I've heard some really good things about him personally. So I have to think that perhaps, this is going to be a team that will play hard to the end. You know, he might come up short, he might get fired, but this isn't probably going to be a Bobby Petrino situation or, or, uh, you know, that this team isn't going to mail it in. And I think we saw that. I think we saw him come back, play hard at the end and, you know, they, they scored and had a chance to, uh, potentially recover an onside kick to, to, you know, even, uh, have a chance to win at the end. So, uh, it was, it was, a bit of a disappointment because I thought, you know, I, I really kind of wanted Notre Dame to, to uh, open it up. But on the other hand, it was good to see uh, USC fight back. And, and they they might, I mean, we've seen them beat Utah. They might knock off somebody else before it's all said and done. Yeah. So we can't write them off quite yet. Yeah, the Absolutely. Utah win is looking more and more impressive, right, Xavier? Yeah, I mean, when we talked about the game last week, I said that USC has a chance here. And the reason why I said that is because I felt that they have nothing to lose in this game, and Notre Dame had everything to lose. I thought Notre Dame would play a little bit more timid um, offensively, and um, to an extent, if you look just statistically, they kind of did. However, they ran the football very well, so they really had no reason to pass the ball. But on USC side, I mean, just whenever they decide to open up the passing game, it's there. It's actually quite ridiculous. 
the 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 amount of talent they have at the receiver position. You know, I I expected it to be Michael Pittman or Tyler Vaughn. No, this time it was Amon Amon Ross St. Brown. I was like, okay, cool. Um, they just have such an explosive offense, and and you just wonder if JT Daniels could have stayed healthy to start the year off, where this team would be right now. Um, yeah. You know, you look at Slovis and even Fink, and you go, okay, they they they're good, but they're not the starter. They're not the guy who came into this year. And you only imagine what their record would look like. Like we said, they beat Utah. They were in this game. You know, uh, they they they've had some bad losses that they didn't, you know, that you didn't expect out of this USC team this year, like to like the one to BYU. So I mean, you you can only imagine what they would look like. Maybe they'd be sitting at one loss, or maybe just two at this point, rather than three. For the Notre Dame, I'm sorry. Notre Dame will not win a national championship as long as they, as long as Ian Book continues to be the game manager that he is. 17 of 32, 165 and a touchdown. I know he has one on the ground as well, but 199 total yards from your quarterback is not going to cut it for you to win a national championship. It's just not. Um, if I'm not mistaken, their 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 schedule gets rather you know dense coming up with Michigan, Virginia Tech, and Duke. I don't know if they're going to get through it. Um, and if they do, if they run the table, I don't think they're good enough to make a national championship run this year. Ian Book has not shown me anything yet that would suggest that he's the quarterback that can take his team to a national championship. So right now, Notre Dame fans, I'm sorry. It's just I don't see it. Not from him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with Notre Dame, but they de- they definitely don't seem to be as good as they were overall last year. And, right. you know, last year they weren't good enough. They got smoked by Clemson, but so did Alabama. So, you Fair know, uh, Clemson was a very, very, very good team last year. Uh, moving over here to Penn State at Iowa. This Sweet was best. 10 versus 17. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, 17-12 was the final score here. Um, yeah, I mean, snooze fest in the range of low scoring. Yeah, but. Mm. This game, uh, you know, the penalties seem to keep Iowa in it, if I'm reading this right. Eight penalties for 80 yards for Penn State, one for five for Iowa. Penn State led in time of possession, but Iowa led in uh, total yards, 356 to 294, um, which is weird on my thing here. They have Penn State in yellow and Iowa in blue, so I don't know why they would do that. But, um, <laughs> but, but Nick, what did you see from this Penn State-Iowa game? Well, it, it it was a close game. I mean, I, I came away. Uh, I, I on the one hand, you know, I talked a lot about the Penn State defense last week, and and so I wanted to see, you know, are they as good as they've looked to this point? And in some ways, they really answered that. I mean, they just they shut down the Iowa uh, running game almost completely. But then on the other hand, Iowa has struggled on offense this year. So I don't know that I learned a ton, uh, but was impressed with the the defensive performance. The game, even though it was close, it never really felt in doubt to me. Um, so for Penn State to be able to go on the road, and that's a pretty long, you know, that's one of the longer Big Ten road trips, and, and you're playing in a, a hostile environment at night. They've had some success in those situations Iowa has in the past, so was pretty pretty impressed overall with, with Penn State. I know they, you know, the, they didn't light it up offensively, only averaged 4.9 yards per pass attempt. That's that's pretty pretty brutal that's going to you know rank towards the bottom of the the uh leaderboard for 
FBS if you were to to look at the full season. So um, you want to see a better passing attack than that. But it was nice to see Noah Kane step up and, and really get maybe his uh, first extended look as the primary ball carrier. Um, and then this defense, I mean, it's it's going to be difficult for anybody to score on Penn State this year. And, and uh, we saw that uh, Saturday night. Xavier, what do you see from this game, this snooze fest, as you uh, called it here? I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, neither, if either team would have won this game, it really didn't matter to me. Um, <laughs> so this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is one of those games that it's week, it was week six, and so both teams were ranked. That's how I looked at this game. Um, I think Penn State, to an extent, you know, the defense is for real, but I knew that coming into this ballgame. Iowa's offense sucks. I knew that coming into this ballgame. So I, I knew that something was going to have to give, and I didn't expect it to be Penn State's defense. What I wanted to see was I really wanted to see which Penn State's offense could show me something. However, when your quarterback finishes with a QBR of 42, that's that's showing me a lot, not in the positive sense. Um, and I just don't – I think the reason why when I watched this game I didn't look at it too closely is because I really just feel like – Everybody in the in, in the Big Ten, regard um, barring Wisconsin, is just light years behind Ohio State. Um, when I look at Penn State, I look at a team that you know offensively just is, is skating by. I mean, seventeen points again against a, a good defense. Seventeen points is not going to cut it. Maybe this weekend against Michigan, or obviously in four or five weeks when they play Ohio State on the road um, during you know on the twenty third of November. This offense for me, I just I wanted to see more in a hostile environment, and I didn't see it. Uh, every, I, Iowa, I, 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 to an extent, I expected Iowa to keep this close and, and, and try to pull it out late. That's what Iowa has done and, and has done for a very long time. But Penn State, you know, has been a, a team that can have a high flying offense as well as a defense that bend and doesn't break. However, this year, I just don't see that their offense has enough to win the Big Ten. Um, it might get them to an undefeated record all the way up to the Ohio State game. But they just I wanted to see more. Yeah, um, I don't think Penn State is as good as their record. So I think when they get into some of these tougher games, they're going to start falling a couple times and it may may start this week. Um, Moving over to the Red River shootout, Oklahoma beat Texas 34 27. We don't need to talk about that. (laughs) How quickly he was talking through it. I was like, yeah. Well, I mean, it was closer than uh, we initially thought, right? Mm. it was and and you know your your insight on it was spot on i I asked you know if texas is going to pull off an upset how are they going to do it and and uh you said well oklahoma's got to turn over the football and they did that oklahoma had uh an opportunity to to really just blow texas out if we're going to be honest, yeah. they had several yeah. scoring opportunities that they missed. Um, you know, 511 Texas yards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, so Texas was able to make life difficult enough on Jalen Hurts. He looked uh, the least comfortable with, that we've seen this season. Uh, but I, I, I didn't really... I couldn't really put my finger on it before I had a little extra time today and, and just started to uh, throw some stats in a, in a spreadsheet. And, and I was looking at, you know, who's been 
the most explosive offense who's been I mean I knew it was going to be Oklahoma but I wanted, I wanted to see you know who else and and just sort of what the uh what the gaps were there uh but so I I looked at um you know explosive plays or or uh plays that are uh 10 yards, 20 yards, and 30 yards. Like, And I wanted to see the percentage of each team's plays that uh, reach those yardage marks. And Oklahoma, in all three categories, is, is first. I mean, over 15% of their offensive plays have gone for 10 yards. Uh, almost 8% have gone for 20 yards. And four and a half, over 4.5 have gone for 30 yards. That's just ridiculous. But then, on the other hand, Texas ranks 97th in percentage of uh, plays that go for 10 yards, 114th in percentage of plays 20 yards or more, and 98th in percentage of 30 yards or more. So it, it, it you know, Texas uh, just has not been able to uh, get explosive plays, and at least not consistently. And, and that's going to be a problem. I mean, they averaged 5.5 yards per pass attempt. Uh, that's, again, probably going to rank in the 100s if we were looking at a full season total. They averaged 2.8 yards per carry. And this is, a you know, against an Oklahoma defense that was not supposed to be did, uh, very good. Did you see how many of those explosive plays that they had against Oklahoma? Because I can only remember two, and they were both Rashawn Johnson runs. Uh, I can Probably I can look that, that up. Early. So, so it was it was like twenty yards. It was after it was a fourteen yard in, and then he spun off and kind of gave himself some more time. Are you talking about Duvernay or Colin Johnson, one of the wideouts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, well, it, I, it, I will say. Yeah. I, go ahead, Xavier. No, I, I will say this though. I think that what people, I think what people saw in this game though was Jalen Hurts finally had his come to Jesus moment. Um of course he had the hype coming in, you know, Texas fans were butthurt about his Iron Bowl comments, whatever, whatever. But Jalen Hurts for I think most SEC fans looked like Jalen Hurts in this ball game. Um he let his athletes do the job. His touchdowns weren't impressive. He gave the ball to C D Lamb. What did C D Lamb do? He he made plays for him. Well, Jalen Hurts. Uh, he didn't even yeah, have you know. to make plays. They just didn't tackle him. <laughs> That's you true know. too. But like, if, but if, if I'm a Texas fan and I look at this game, I go, okay, we had we picked off Jalen Hurts in the end zone. We also made Jalen Hurts fumble. We had him rattled for parts of the game, and if it wasn't for just sheer lack of will in the tackling, in the, in, the, in tackling, we may win this ball game. Yeah, um, you know. That's exactly how I look at it, man. You know, is J- Jalen Hurts didn't do anything that is was impressive enough for me to be like, if you, if anybody watched him at Alabama, he did exactly what he did at Alabama. He gave the ball to the athletes and let them do their job. He's not going to beat you with impressive downfield throws. He's not going to tail it in between two on a you know on a forty yard bomb down the sideline. He's going to hopefully not lose you the game and just get the ball in his athletes' hands. And if I'm Texas, I look at this game and go. Our offense was relatively pedestrian as far as big plays are concerned. We had to really methodically move the ball down the down the field to score and take away literally a play where there was four defenders around CeeDee Lamb. We win this ball game. Or we're in we're in it, you know, late into that game. So I'm just, you know, the obviously the Big Twelve Championship game is the only other time you guys could meet on a neutral field once again and have an opportunity to win this game. But man, I'm I'm telling you right now, in that game, I would not be surprised if you take away C.D. Lamb as much as you possibly can and force Jalen Hurts to find somebody else. Um, I think that's the formula. It's out there. And if you guys can accomplish it, 
I wouldn't be surprised if you upset them in the second time around. I expected this game to be a blowout. So to, to see what you guys did on Saturday, I, I'm, I'm rather impressed, to be honest with you. I know 511 yards looks bad on paper. I don't care. To be game, honest, I don't care about the bad. yards. You know, yeah. the and I that's what I said last week, too. You know, I said, look, Oklahoma's going to score. You know, so right. I'm not... I, like that's gonna happen. There's no stopping that. the The whole secondary's banged up for Texas right now. Uh, Malcolm Roach got tossed about midway through the third quarter. He's their best defensive lineman. So, um, you know, the defense wasn't gonna be great. But if you can make a couple plays here and there, and they had it, they had those couple plays. They had a pick in the end zone. They had the fumble early. And what I thought watching Jalen Hurts. Uh, early in the game was there's no way he can keep running the ball as much as he is because he is taking a beating. Like, I didn't think he would last for the entire game. He had like 10 rushes midway through the second quarter. Yeah. And uh, he just was getting his head caved in. So I, I thought that, uh, and they did, they had to kind of pull him back in the second half and pass a little bit more in Texas, you know, caught up a little bit in the third quarter, but, you know, just... um couldn't couldn't get it done and like no, Nick I said mean, the explosive plays are the big thing did you find how many they had in that in the game Nick so I, I just sort of quickly the the site I was looking through didn't have a, a game log for explosive plays but going through the play-by-play it looks like they had seven plays of 10 yards or more uh, two plays of 20 yards or more, and then uh, Rashawn Johnson had a 57-yard run. So uh, out of 76 plays, that's not a, a great percentage. Uh, they they had about a half a percent, uh, or excuse me, 4% um, of their plays for, for 20 yards or more, which uh, was not, <laughs> you know, not, not great. I mean, it, it could be worse, but... Um, you know, if you're if you're going up against an Oklahoma defense that you gashed often last year um, in this game, you know, you're, you're expecting more. Uh, but uh, they just they weren't able to to manufacture consistent explosiveness. And, and so Texas actually ranks in the top 20 in just raw uh, number of plays that have gone for over 10 yards. Um, but as far as percentage goes, they, they're down there, like I said, in the 90s. They just haven't been uh, consistent enough to, to be able to, you know, stack those explosive plays on one another. Yeah, they're, they, they, they're too scattered. They're they're the Barry Sanders of offense right now, uh, you know, playing up against a good defense every week. It's, you know, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. It's just uh, they get they they. Too many, too much dinking and dunking, and that's what I said early in that game too. I was like, throw the damn ball downfield. Well, well it's that's it. so weird. That that's the third quarterback this week, with all of which we expected. Oh, I won't say we expected to be Heisman candidates. That they continue to game manage Ellinger, Book, and Fromm. It's just like open it up. If these guys are as good as you guys keep saying they are, open up the dang playbook and and give him a chance. If he throws a pick, he throws a pick. Hey, it happens. But don't sit there and, and act like he's a freshman and this is his first Red River shootout. Like, yo, give him a chance. And, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think you guys will open it up if you guys see him again. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so. and, and just for the rest of the year, too. So, But we yeah. we can't talk about this one all, all the, for the whole show. <laughs> Let's go to LSU in Florida. LSU beats Florida 42-28. to 28. Not really uh, that close of a game either. Um, what did you think about this game having – LSU just really put the boots to Florida here, Nick. Well, it was a very impressive 
offensive performance from LSU. And, and I think everybody has obviously been impressed with the LSU offense, but uh, there are certainly people still out there that didn't quite believe that LSU would be able to, to do this against a uh, really, you know, one of the best defenses in the country. And Florida came in as one of the best rated defenses in the country. Now, Florida did lose two of its best uh, pass rushers during the course of the game to injury. Um, so that factored in a little bit, but, but, you know, like you mentioned, the, the LSU didn't have, uh, you know, it didn't feel that close because LSU could just <laughs> gash Florida whenever it wanted. It averaged, it averaged like 11 yards a play or something. Uh, they averaged 12.2 yards per pass. Joe Burrow completed 21 of 24 passes against what's, you know, what we've considered one of the best secondaries in the SEC. Um, the uh, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire ran for 10 yards per carry, 10.3 yards per carry. I could against him because he, <laughs> he hasn't Florida. been that good against anybody this year. And he's been good, right. but he hasn't been yeah. 10 yards and uh, per carry good. And he exactly. did it against Florida. Exactly. And, and, you know, and then Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, both of those guys, uh, super productive. Uh, they were a, LSU could just do whatever it wanted on offense. And, and so that was very impressive. I mean, it was almost uh, not to not to pile on too much to Texas, but it was almost like the opposite of Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, LSU was explosive. I mean, I'm just I'm only looking at the box score, but I see Edward Solaire had a 57 yard run. Burrow had a 19 yard run. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price had a 33 yard run. Jamar Chase a 54. They had more uh, high yard scoring plays than Texas had high yard plays. So right, mm-hmm. exactly, and and you know, three receivers had a, a catch of 25 yards or more. So LSU is just almost unstoppable on offense, and and it was very impressive to see Florida. I I uh, I did. Um, I was somewhat impressed with. They were able to match LSU score for score through the first half, and and it almost until uh, you know Kyle Trask threw that interception in the end zone. Uh, which, by the way, uh, <laughs> the freshman corner at LSU, uh, what's his name, Stingley, is yeah. Is um, but uh, until that interception, I mean, Florida was matching them score for score. So I was fairly impressed. Uh, because I know LSU hasn't been great statistically defensively, and they've had some tackling trouble early in the year, uh, but they had been banged up as well, uh, and they were healthier this week than they had been in, in several weeks prior. So I was pretty impressed with Florida and how they were able to move the football, but uh, at this point, LSU offensively is just unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, Joe Burrow being a true Heisman candidate is one of the more shocking stories of the year so far. Um, Xavier, what do you see out, out of this this uh, SEC matchup here? I saw an, uh, an LSU team that I'm still not buying into yet. Um, the <laughs> offense <laughs> sounds I'm, like I'm a Georgia honest. fan. No, <laughs> it's, it's not. It, it, it's not because I'm a Georgia fan. It's because. I don't buy into any LSU team ever until they play Alabama. I don't care what you do. You can blow out everybody by 70. They'll still score 10 points against Bama and we'll be like, where'd that offense go? So in, in what is it, two, three weeks, uh, they play Alabama. After that game, I can give you a, a real, you know, feel of it because this isn't, this is the first time this offense has been this explosive. LSU fans have to- told me and, and, and you know, to Ignazium, how much this offense is different and how great this offense is. However, the defense is still giving up 20-plus points a game 
to a Florida team who, let's not get it twisted, they don't have a single receiver on the, on the team that necessarily scares you. They had a freshman quarterback coming into Death Valley. The The running game has been sporadic at best in, in their performances this year. And they put, and like Nick said, they went drive for drive with them up until that interception. And let's be honest, that interception was just just dumb, just flat out dumb. He he was covered the whole time, and I don't know if he thought he could fit it in there. I, I don't know, but it it wasn't it wasn't a brilliant. And then on top of that, if you take away that interception, they probably score because they were in the red zone. Um, this LSU defense for the first time has not been, and I know they're banged up. LSU fans, so don't come in my comment section. I know you guys are banged up, and I, and I, and I know it. But both secondaries were just bad, just downright bad. I mean, it was it was tough to watch two schools that call themselves DBU getting gashed for ten yards uh, ten yards a catch. Um, and for Florida, they they're gonna miss that pass rush. They that that pass rush it has been the bread and butter of their team for the last three seasons, and it's protected what has been a really relatively bad run stopping team. Um, because they force you to, because because they get off the field at third down because of their pass rush. If they don't have that pass rush, pass rush. If those guys don't come back for the games against Georgia and and, and you know etc., it's going to be really tough to to see Florida's defense holding anybody under thirty points for the rest of the year because of how much that pass rush means to their entirety of their defense and their scheme. Uh, but. All that aside, LSU, I'm not buying nothing from you guys yet until the <laughs> Alabama game and, and, and Florida. I saw you guys losing this game anyways, but you guys played better than I thought you guys would going into the Death Valley. Kyle Trask has earned my respect a little bit more than he than he had already. So, uh, but yeah. So LSU loses or wins this game, beats Florida, and Florida leaves with respect, and LSU still gets it. <laughs> Am I? I'm I like, just tell, tell me where I, I'm wrong. I, I said Trask <laughs> ended with more respect. A, a, a first year guy going into Death Valley playing like he did, barring the one interception, you got to say it's impressive. Three touchdowns and a, and a pick. If you could yeah, he only lost by two field. touchdowns. It's very impressive. Okay, that's not his fault. The defense <laughs> was out there like flypaper. Okay, that's not his fault. You know what I'm saying? I, LSU, <laughs> like I said, they did not earn my res- they they earned my respect. They they continue to play well. The offense has earned my respect already. I got to watch them play, put 66 up against Vandy in person. That's already set in stone. However, the defense continues to be pedestrian at best. I All mean, right. you gave uh, we'll see at Alabama. Yeah, I, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to climb all the way into your brain. I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out what you said here. You know, I'm just wondering. That so. Alabama game means everything to LSU fans too, and then, and and I think they'd say the same thing. I have simple, similar sentiments about their season so far. Nothing matters to Alabama. All right, let's go to this week, and uh, we've got some really good games that we have picked here, and I chose the first one because I. <laughs> This is my gut feeling game. I know Xavier is going to laugh and say, you chose this because it's going to be a boring game. It's Ohio State at Northwestern, and it's on Friday night. And Ohio State has looked amazing. Uh, they're ranked number four. Uh, Northwestern, not so much. Ha- have, has not looked great. But I feel like every year we play, we see this game played. This is closer than what it should be. So I have a feeling that Northwestern is going to beat this spread because right now it's 28 and a half points. So we're expecting an absolute drubbing from Ohio State on Northwestern. It just plays, usually it plays a little bit tighter than that. So Nick, tell me, am I wrong here? Is this going to be a 
four touchdown beatdown. It's on Friday, too. That seems a little bit strange. So what do you see happening in this Ohio State Northwestern game? Yeah, it, it is a little bit strange. I mean, Friday night, we've, we've seen some weird things happen uh, on uh, weeknight games already this season. And traditionally, you know, some sometimes we'll see a huge upset on a, on a Friday night. Um, it's uh, also not playing in the Big Ten's favor because the uh, ALCS game was rained out on Wednesday night. So uh, this game that was going to be on FS1 is now going to be on the Big Ten Network. So, the, you know, parts <laughs> of the country won't even be able to watch it. Uh, but I, I agree. And, and, and on the one hand, I, I think we need to uh, set a rule to maybe we'll stop talking about Northwestern for a few weeks. <laughs> but on the other hand, I, I think that uh, I, I do appreciate that you chose this because it is I'm, I'm torn with what i want to say i keep sort of like buying time just stammering here but uh i'm, I'm torn because i've been so impressed with ohio state i mean they are uh as far as our roster strength ratings they are the most talented team in the country they rank number one in roster strength uh team performance they rank third in uh net yards per play they're outscoring or outgaining opponents by 3.62 yards uh per play which is second best in the country um so they've been an elite team and and you know we we expect that they should go in and just uh, have no issue with Northwestern, who uh, ranks in the 50s in roster strength, ranks in the 80s in team performance, ranks 106th in net yards per play. They've been outgained by almost a full yard uh, per snap. So, and they're one uh, and on four. paper. I mean, they're not good, right? And, and and this is a huge mismatch on paper, but it's a weird situation. It's it's a road game. It's a Friday night. You know, I I'm not sure that that the uh, um, the stadium is going to be rocking. I mean, maybe it will, but you know, Northwestern sometimes can be a little bit of a sleepy atmosphere, and sometimes that can uh, lure a team sort of into uh, just sort of lure them to sleep. So uh, I don't know what to expect. And, and Pat Fitzgerald is uh, traditionally been able to overcome a, a big talent advantage and at least sort of keep things close. I mean, they Northwestern played Wisconsin better than anybody has to date. Um, they have a history of, of beating teams they're not supposed to beat. And I don't think they're going to win, but uh, I, I, I don't know. And, and so our number actually uh, is is right around 26. So technically, we have, uh, according to the opening line, we had Ohio State to, to cover just barely. Uh, now that that's moved up to, to 28, we do have Northwestern covering. And I, I feel... I feel better about that. I think. I mean, you know, a home underdog, four four touchdowns, uh, and Pat Fitzgerald on the other end. I, I I'm I feel more comfortable on uh, Northwestern here than I would Ohio State. But I will not be shocked at all if this, instead of our our projected thirty three to seven, if this is more like fifty five to seven. I would <laughs> that would not shock me at all. Ohio State has been that good. But uh, uh, but all things considered, you know, uh, I think Northwestern can make it just ugly enough to cover. Uh, Xavier, I mean, I know you kind of scoffed when I picked this game here. But, no, absolutely uh, not. Uh, there was a giggle. I heard it. 
Don't tell me I didn't hear it. And and the reason why there was a giggle is because this game makes, like, this game literally says upset written all over it. I'm going to tell you why. It's because it's a Friday night game, one. Ohio State is coming off of, if I'm not mistaken, a relatively large win last week. And on they, top of they that, were off last week. They Both these teams coming off a bye. Oh, even better. So excuse what I just said. Even better. So they've had two weeks to prepare for – for not excuse me. They've had two weeks to prepare for Ohio State coming into their town this week as well. Fitzgerald is going to have these boys ready. Secondly, Ohio State has Wisconsin next week, which – Arguably, it's probably going to be the biggest game Look of this ahead. season. Yep. I, Look I, ahead. I, I, I know Michigan is, you know, the game, but let's be honest. Right now, it's Wisconsin and Ohio State as 1A and 1B in that conference. And you don't think Northwestern is going to put all out on an Ohio State team? that If they win this game, I mean, let's be honest. It, it, it essentially does what it did for Purdue last year. It's, it's just a, 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 a program-defining victory that you can get from a coach that, you know, every year seems to pull out at least, you know, maybe one at least. He gets close rather, you know, and like Nick said, they played Wisconsin very close. I don't see any reason why they won't pull out all the stops to beat this Ohio State team at home on a Friday. I mean, Ohio State, this is this is a game where if it was a quarterback like, I don't know, um, a quarterback who has had multiple games under his belt, I wouldn't expect a lull. You know, a quarterback who knows who's going to keep his focus. This is Justin Fields' first attempt at a look-away game, you know, as a game that he can look over, come into, sleep into, and think, oh, I'm just going to run over these guys, throw over these guys, and, and have it all, you know, set in stone. However, this Northwestern team is going to play them tough. I'm not going to go on a limb and say that Northwestern is going to pull the upset, but don't be surprised if it's 17-10 to going into the fourth quarter with Ohio State just leading by a touchdown or even two touchdowns going into the second half. This Northwestern team, like I said, is going to come to play Wisconsin next week. Ohio State definitely has not taken two weeks to prepare for Northwestern. They probably took half of that last week to start the Wisconsin game plan, um, you know, and give themselves more of an opportunity, a leg up on a Wisconsin team that they know is going to come in, you know, playing and probably one of the hottest teams in the country right now. So this is a, this is a game I'd bet the under and I, I I don't I'd put some money on Northwestern if you really felt ballsy because this is a game that could definitely do that for you. Yeah, I mean I don't know that I would want to put too much money on a game like this because like Nick said, you know we could see this go twenty one seven and no one be surprised, but we could see it go fifty five seven, no one be surprised. Right. Also, well, this I, could be this sort of game where Ohio State's winning thirteen to seven at halftime, right? And puts up forty in the second half. Like I mean, it, the, it, it, the it can get out of hand in a hurry. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't yeah. be shocked, but I'm I'm just looking through uh, Northwestern versus Ohio State just in the the schedule here on College Football Reference. And um, I, I got back to 2008 and that was the last time Ohio State really, really put the wood to a Northwestern It was 45 10 in that game. Uh, last year, they, these teams played, and Ohio State won by 21, but there were like three or four other matchups in the last decade here, and it was, you know, there was a 40-30 to 30 win, there was a 24-20 to 20 win. I mean, Ohio State has won this game every single time for a long time, so I don't think Northwestern's going to win, but... They make it close, even when they're not good. So I think that this one is just, this is a difficult game to put money on. And I just saw that line and, you know, 
I know the records match up. Ohio State has looked unbelievable, but there's something weird about that game where, and I don't know, you know, there's no way to encompass gut feelings into uh, <laughs> any type of uh, matchups and stuff, but it's one of those where I go, I'm not going to be surprised when this is a 17-point game and it's not four touchdowns. And uh, in Northwestern actually looks good in this one. And like uh, Xavier said, Ohio State's known to drop one like this uh, every once in a while mm -hmm. as well. So losing to Purdue last year. Uh, let's go over to Boise State and BYU. There's another game I found really interesting here. Boise State's favored by six and a half. But going on the road to play against BYU, we've seen already this year is a tough place to play. And, uh, you know, USC went there and lost. So and they just look great against Notre Dame. Nick, how do you see Boise State and BYU playing out here? So uh, taking a, a, a slight tangent, do you guys remember when LSU won the national championship and they had two losses and they were, they sort of coined that they were uh, undefeated in regulation. <laughs> yes. Remember I wasn't that? old enough to remember that, but continue. You might, yeah, Xavier <laughs> maybe was, was uh, in diapers, but uh, BYU is winless in regulation. So uh, they are two and four. They beat Tennessee uh, with the, uh, in, in overtime, they beat you, uh, yeah, beat Tennessee in overtime, beat USC in overtime. They've lost three in a row, including back-to-back -back losses to Toledo, who Ooh. let's, let's, uh, not forget lost the, their very next game to Bowling Green. And then, wow. uh, they lost to USF last week who looked hey. at different points in the season has looked horrible. Uh, they seem <laughs> to be bouncing back a little bit, but uh, this BYU team is, is just not, very good and they do um you know they they, they have a, a very rabid fan base they have a, a history of success um so I, it's understandable they they are very familiar with boise state they play them almost every year um so it's it's it makes sense that this game would open uh projected to be fairly close but also byu has been just hit really, really hard by injury. They lost their starting quarterback, who's arguably their best player. If it's not him, then it's uh, Tyson Williams, the running back, who's also out for the uh, you know for the year. So you get your your two best offensive players are, are out of this game. They had two offensive linemen leave the last game with injury. Uh, they've also had uh, 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 some injuries in the secondary. So uh, you know BYU won. I just they they don't you know they don't stack up very well and and our numbers actually had them favored i think in only five games to start the season so i was really nervous when they beat tennessee and usc but you know the last few weeks i'm starting to, to think okay maybe we we had it right they just sort of were were somewhat fortunate to, to pull off those upsets but uh boise state on the other hand has played like a top 25 team uh they only ranked 37th in our overall team strength, but uh, they've got a top 20 team performance rating. Uh, they're top 25 in net yards per play. So uh, they've, they've got arguably uh, the best pass rusher, maybe not the best pass rusher in the, in the country. Chase Young at Ohio State might be, might be the best. Yeah, he's okay. Curtis, yeah, <laughs> Curtis yeah, Weaver sorry. is up there. I mean, Curtis Weaver is, is 
uh, is an elite pass rusher. I mean, Didn't he, he break the, the Boise State sacks. record? All right, he. I know he set a record last week. What, what was? The yeah, record? I believe so. And he's got nine sacks already this season, which is which is half half a sack higher than Young for most in the country. So uh, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. And and if you have an opportunity to check this game out. Look at number ninety-nine. I mean, he's he's pretty incredible. So, uh, but Boise State also is a little banged up at quarterback. Hank Bachmeyer uh, had to come out of the last game. He's questionable for this one. Um, it sounds like he's going to play, but you know, even if he does, it, it seems like Boise State's a little bit uh, in a better situation at quarterback. They've got a couple of backups who've played a bit this year. BYU might be starting a third-string quarterback because Jaron Hall got. Uh, a concussion and towards the end of uh, his first start last week. So uh, I'm I'm not surprised that this number has jumped up considerably. Uh, I, I don't love that. Obviously, we had Boise State as a nine point favorite. Would have loved to uh, test our number against one and a half, but uh, now that it's six and a half, still you know fairly confident Boise State should win this game. Uh, it, it shouldn't be all that close, uh, but. You know, BYU, funny things happen, and, and they have obviously uh, proven that they can uh, pull an upset, but I think Boise State's just clearly the better team and, and think they should win by uh, almost double digits. <laughs> yeah. Should, should win by nine. I, I, I think I think you're right on this one, too. And this one is kind of the opposite of Ohio State and Northwestern. The, the reason that I think I put this one on here was um, – I just don't know, like, how can we know what to expect from Boise State when, you know, we're not 100% sure that their starting quarterback's going to play? I think that was right. kind of the the thing here when I looked at this. Um, I mean, Xavier, how do you see this one playing out? Um, honestly, if, if Bachmeyer can't go, then this game has a completely new meaning. Because the reason why BYU is even 2-4 and four is because in two games that they have been able to win, they've won the turnover battle. Well, if you're able to get a backup quarterback on the road, um, you know, in a, in a hostile situation, there goes your turnover battle possibly won. Um, you know, and BYU, like Nick said, this is – this is everybody's going to be there. I mean, they're going to be packed out, packed to the brim, and Boise State's going to need a starting quarterback. Um, I'm not saying necessarily to win this game, but if, if t- to cover, I would say they're going to need their starting quarterback. Um, this is going to be a really hostile environment, and for a backup to try to come in, you know, his first start of the year and win It'll a be game. His first career start if it's if it's going to be Chase Court. Right, first starter, you know, at BYU. That's not easy for anybody, um, and I think that BYU has more of an opportunity if Bachmeyer does not play. If Bachmeyer does, then I think Boise State covers. Um, but you know, crazier things have happened. You know, I, I didn't see USC losing to them either. Um, Tennessee, I definitely saw that. I called that one, but, uh, USC definitely did not see them losing that game. But, uh, I think Boise State's more talented, but when you have a, a question mark at the quarterback position, anything can happen. Um, I know there's question marks for both teams, but the question marks a little bit smaller when you're able to put a kid in the game playing at home in front of his own crowd. He's a little bit more confident, you know, players oftentimes stay, they get prepared the same way when they're at home. It's a little easier for them to acclimate themselves right off the bat than coming off of a bus and trying to get into the mindset of this is your first career start and, and getting into the game. So if Bachmeyer can't start, BYU, you have an opportunity here. There is light here. <laughs> um, uh, so how would you, how would this number, how, how would you work it if, and adjust it if, 
or is this the number for if Bachmeyer doesn't play, Nick? Uh, so the way we do that, if if a player is questionable, um, we basically split the difference between the starter and the backup. Okay. Uh, so in in our team profiles, if you're looking at this, we've got Hank Bachmeyer. He's highlighted orange because mm-hmm. that that indicates he's injured. Uh, but his 78 point, and he's he's a true freshman, so he's not that highly right. rated. Uh, he's got a 78.5 rating, uh, and and his backup Chase Cord, who's a sophomore, um, is a almost a 77. So, in as far as our numbers go, there's really not much of a difference there. But uh, it does take a little bit of a hit because we also add uh, a little bit of weight to the third stringer uh, because there's a chance. That that you know he's one play away. Uh, if if Bachmeyer can't go, so if Bachmeyer were out, uh, it would it would only um, it would only adjust it just a few more percentage points. So it, it would move move from nine to maybe nine and a half, but uh, not not because there's not a huge difference here. Um, you know this this wouldn't be. Uh, like Arizona, if, if Khalil Tate is out and they have to go to the true freshman backup, that's a big difference. That's right, several right. points. Uh, but here, because they rate fairly similarly, uh, and Bachmeyer has been good, but he hasn't. He's only added one production point to to where his uh, just sort of baseline would have been uh, this year. So there, there's not a huge difference there. But but you know. We we know uh, the numbers don't necessarily see much of a difference, but we know that Bachmeyer is there for a reason. He's there because the coaching staff said he's better than Chase Cord. So uh, it, it, in all likelihood, we're probably underestimating it. But Boise State just pretty much has an edge almost every position. I mean, linebacker, I think, is the only uh, area where BYU is, is – um, possibly uh, uh they got an edge so um maybe the secondary but but boise state has has a pretty big edge in this game and and should win regardless of whether or not bachmeyer is is going to play but it sounds like there's a pretty good chance he will okay yeah i mean i know he's questionable we'll see if he plays it's just you know injury reports in college are yeah, there, there's no good way to describe them. They're terrible. You know, they're they're not yeah. they're not informative. They don't tell you much. Any guys will go out there and warm up and not play. So, uh, it's just dicey. You know, and you don't you don't get your money back that you lay down if that guy doesn't play. I think the smart bet here would probably be the under. Be honest, because Boise State's offense hasn't been explosive anyway, and uh, the the one side that BYU matches up well is on defense. So. I think I would play the under, and that's looks like that's happened because it's fallen from fifty-four to forty-seven. I don't know how many times I've seen um, a number fall like that. I mean, that's what you'd expect if there is no starting quarterback for a team, but the spread moved up uh, from minus one mm-hmm. and a half to minus six and a half for Boise State. So I think mm-hmm. most uh, people are playing the under in that one as well. Um, let's go to. Oregon at Washington. This one is going to be a fun Pac-12 matchup. Uh, Oregon, a road favorite by three points here, over 50 and a half. How do you see this one going, Nick? So I've, I've over the last year, I guess, uh, I, I consider myself a little bit, you know, a, a, a college football fan for sure. I mean, I've paid attention to the sport for a, a really long time and, and have a, an appreciation for the history of it. I don't think I realized 
how big of a rivalry Oregon and Washington mm-hmm. is. Uh, and Xavier, I know you've got some some family ties to to Washington, so you probably had uh, a, a better idea of that. But just paying a little bit more attention to these two fan bases uh, <laughs> over the course of the last you know year or so since since starting CFB Winning Edge, and and they hate each other. I mean, it might be it might be the the fiercest rivalry on the west coast if i uh were to rank it i I think it's got a strong case so uh that's that's interesting because uh washington obviously is talented i mean these teams are as far as most of our you know uh talent metrics and and things like that these teams are very very similar in a lot of ways Uh, they both are top 15 in roster strength they're actually both top 15 in team performance because washington has as sort of beat up on lesser competition. Uh, obviously Oregon has as well, but um, they're, they're similar in a, in a lot of our uh, numbers. So we actually project this game basically as a toss up. Uh, however, the, the rivalry aspect uh, is worth considering because one, this game is going to be in Seattle, which is uh, a, a great venue, uh, a great fan base. They're playing a hated rival at home. So that, that counts for something. Uh, and Washington, has inexplicably lost two games already uh, to Stanford, which which uh, was a, a you know I mean we we uh, in the preseason Careful. I wouldn't have been shocked, <laughs> but after watching Stanford for the first right. four games uh, that that was about as bad a loss. Uh, I mean that's probably worse than South Carolina being Georgia, you know, if we're going to be honest. But, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, sounds but, like revisionist uh, history, but uh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But, but uh, you know, on the other hand, Oregon has really been impressive. Uh, defensively, specifically, the, the Oregon defense is one of the best in the country. I mean, they, they uh, rank fourth in yards per play allowed. They've, they're allowing fewer than four yards per play. They've got 21 sacks as a unit. They've got 12 interceptions. So they've been very disruptive. Um, you know, other than Auburn, they haven't played the the toughest competition. Um, so this will obviously be the biggest test they've had since. But um, they're a good team, and and they're getting healthier. The receiving core uh, was really really banged up through the first half of the year, but they've gotten Juwan Johnson back. They're working him in. Uh, Brendan Schooler, I think, is is getting worked back in. Micah Pittman was was in for the first time uh, a few uh, weeks ago. Uh, they're 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 you know they've got. We've talked about their offensive line on paper is one of the best in the country, if not the best. So the offense, though, it hasn't carried the team. It, it, they really have leaned on the defense to this point, but the offense is capable of uh, doing some very good things. And, and I haven't even mentioned Justin Herbert, who uh, is considered, you know, a, a likely first round quarterback uh, in the upcoming draft. So uh, we, we project Oregon to win, uh, but it's going to be very close. I mean, we, I think the, the, uh, current spread, uh, our projected point spread is like 0.34 points or something. So uh, less Ooh. less than half a point uh, separates these two teams as far as the computer goes. And and uh, it's going to come down probably to uh, the defenses. And, and Washington State has been good, but not great. Uh, fairly mediocre in, in a lot of 
major statistics. They're 56th in points allowed, or excuse me, yards allowed per play. But the, you know they've they've got 16 sacks. That's pretty good. They've got a good secondary. Um, it, it's it's going to come down to to that. Can the Washington defense step up? And then which quarterback is is going to sort of take the game over? Because Washington really has struggled in the red zone this year. Um, that's an issue. And then Oregon has been, you know, hit and miss at times. So, uh, want to see those two things, but I'm really excited about the game. Uh, our projected final scores, Oregon 21, Washington 20 should be a great game. Uh, I would not uh, be shocked at all if Washington is able to win this game at home over a, a major rival. Uh, but Oregon is, is probably slightly, the better team from top to bottom because their defense has just been incredible. Xavier, do you see it being played that close or do you have a different oh, take on yeah. this one? Um, no, I think this game um, and then the game that we're talking about after this really will decide whether or not the Pac-12 has a team in the CF, uh, in the playoff this year. Um, when you look at this game, I look at a Washington team who I think a lot of people have forgotten about because they have two losses, but this team defensively is really good. I mean, they made Khalil Tate look really bad last week, especially on passing downs. Uh, they got after the quarterback very well. They made the Khalil Tate uncomfortable. You know, J.J. Taylor did what he had to do. They, they, they were able to run the ball against him. However, what Oregon does best is throw the football, and that's it's, it's really best on best here. It's going to be Oregon's passing game against, you know, Washington's secondary slash pass rush. Um and I think that this is that that's a push at this point. And I don't think that um, Oregon's passing game has proved enough to me yet. Now, Nick was being very, you know, safe by saying they haven't played the best part of the Pac-12 yet. They've played cupcakes. Um, and they've played rather cupcake offenses as well. Um, I went back this week and I watched their game against Stanford. And for the most part, defensively, Stanford, did a really good job against Oregon in that ball game. Uh, Oregon won the game 21 to six. And if it wasn't for the fact that Stanford literally did not have an offense, I mean, it was just non-existent. It wasn't there. That game could have been an upset for, for the Cardinal. Um, like it was against Washington. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when you, when you look at this game, you look at a Washington team that's been beat up, they understand that this is probably their only opportunity to, to beat another team on a prime time stage. And on top of that, they have the opportunity with this game. And if, you know, in, in Oregon losing to Cal, I believe to, to possibly make it to the Pac-12 championship game, but everything things have to happen obviously throughout the rest of the way. But if they win this game, they have an opportunity and that's what they're playing for at this point. That's all they're playing for. You know, their national championship hopes are pretty much over with um, unless chaos ensues. But I think being at home gives them an added boost. Jacob Eason has looked awful on the road this year. Um, at home, his, his his stats have been a little bit better. Um, and I think that this is going to be the game that he proves a lot to me. But um, when we go oh, best on, You don't best, already love Jacob Eason? Come on. No, I, I, I don't love Jacob Eason, first off. Uh, <laughs> me, and, me and Jacob Eason have a very sour uh, oh, yeah, relationship. Oh, yeah, sorted past, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know some things about, I know some things about Eason personally so uh um, like that but um when it comes to this when it comes to this game i think oregon has the more more talent but i don't know i don't know about that offensive line i just don't uh they they looked really good against an auburn team who we all said that their defensive front was amazing however against stanford they gave up four sacks which is the most amount of sacks they gave up all season up until that game they had given up four sacks total um this this 
Washington front seven is going to get after the QB and their corners are good enough to make plays on the football. And Justin Herbert looked really bad last year when he felt uncomfortable. Um, and th- like Nick said, they've been leaning on the defense. I don't think they can do that this game. I think Washington walks away with an upset victory. I'll put quotes around upset because, you know, if the, if the seasons had have gone the way we projected them to start off the year, this wouldn't be a, an upset victory for Washington, more of a, you know, just a big win for them. Uh, but I think Washington wins this ballgame. Man, y'all are way more excited about this game than you are Ohio State and Northwestern. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, not really well, honestly. it should be a good one. And and one one last thing: if Oregon wins this game, the Pac-12 North race is is done over. with. Yeah. I mean, because Washington will have three losses. Uh, I mean, it, it's you know they've got a tiebreaker over Stanford. Cal's already got a couple losses. So I mean, it's pretty much done uh, if if Oregon wins mm-hmm. this game. So uh, add you know throw that into the mix. Washington, this is sort of a last ditch effort if they're going to to be able to get back in. Uh, you know, try to make a run for the Rose Bowl. I do yep. like the fact that Jacob Breland finally looked great and then was immediately hurt for the year. So uh, that, that was disappointing. Yeah, tough. That was super disappointing. We've been waiting for Breland to come around for a while, and that's just uh, unfortunate. And this isn't even the best Pac-12 game of the week because well. we've got Arizona State <laughs> on the road against Utah. And Utes. The, the Utes are uh, the two Utes. Uh, they are favored by... 13 and a half points. The over has dropped five and a half points. A lot of line moving uh, th- this week, more than normal, I would say. Uh, I know it's you, we're getting deeper in the year. Uh, we're getting rivalry games, you know, so there's more uh, not strange bets, but misplaced bets being um, put on teams and stuff at this point in the season. But just kind of weird to see so much line movement. But this one, this is another game with that movement, and um, I, I don't know. You know, ASU has been a bit of a mystery this year. You know, who knows when they're going to win, when they're going to lose. I mean, I, I called one earlier this year, but, I mean, uh, I'll be honest, that was luck. I know you guys are very surprised <laughs> that I didn't just have inside knowledge on that one. But um, I, I don't know. Nick, how do you see this one playing out? Because I don't see, I don't see a 13.5-point win for Utah here. Yeah, I, I think initially my my personal opinion, I I agree. Uh, I, I I look at the two coaches um, and the style of play that Herm Edwards wants uh, for his team, uh, where he you know thinks that he's got the best chance to win. I think we've talked about this before. Is to play you know play slow, play ball control, field position, sort of that old school NFL style, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and I think that Kyle Whittingham is is going to say, all right, that's what you want to do. Let's do it. No problem. Uh, I mean, Utah has a talent advantage. They've they've been the better team this year. And I've really been impressed uh, with Tyler Huntley. I think that he has taken a next step. I, I know I was talking about reading in those uh, the, the midseason season. Uh, stories that the athletic is doing. I was reading Utah earlier today, and and there's just a whole section there about how Kyle Winningham is just gushing about Tyler Huntley, and and uh, that's great to see. But then on the other hand, Arizona State's got a pretty good quarterback too. I mean, he's a true freshman, but Jaden Daniels has already led what three fourth quarter comeback wins, mm-hmm. um, and and so I, I 
you know, I think the coaches, they're both going to be content to play a low scoring, slow game, get to the fourth quarter and then figure it out at that point. And then, you know, uh, aside from the coaches, the, the next most important position, quarterback, they're both in pretty good shape there. Uh, Arizona State has uh, one of the the best running backs in the country. I know he's had uh, a little bit of a slow start, but Eno Benjamin is, is one of the most impressive running backs I've seen. But then on the other hand, Zach Moss for Utah. And, and uh, fortunately, he was able to escape major injury a few weeks ago and, and really missed uh, uh, far less time than I expected him to. Uh, and then he ran, what, 120-something yards and five carries. Had a 91-yard uh, touchdown, yeah. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, you know, that they're even there. Uh, really, where this game is, is going to be won or lost, as many are, are uh, along the line of scrimmage. And, and Arizona State has some talent on the offensive line, but they're also very young, and they've been beat up. Uh, they've had to shuffle guys around uh, a lot early in the first half of the year. They think they've got their best five now, and they've been together for a few weeks, but uh, Utah has, has really, really played well. Uh, on the line of scrimmage, they've only allowed four sacks this year, which is uh, tied for third fewest in the country. Only two teams have, have allowed uh, fewer than four sacks. So, uh, and I think that that the Utah defensive line obviously is is they've got three All Pac-12 guys on the defensive line. They've really been uh, statistically not great from a from a pass rush perspective. They've only recorded one sack in each of the last three weeks, but this is a defensive line that should have an advantage. And I think that uh, because of that, 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 you know, if it's going to be decided in the fourth quarter, I I have to give Utah the edge. Uh, Utah could, I think, uh, open it up if Tyler Huntley really does continue to, to, you know, raise the level of, of his game. Uh, but I, I expect this to be, Personally, about a one-score game. Our our computer projection has Utah favored by nine, uh, so winning twenty-three fourteen. Uh, I would not be at all surprised if this is in the twenty to fourteen or even twenty to seventeen range. But I think Utah, uh, with the talent advantage and the home field advantage, uh, should be favored. But I don't be you know surprised at all if this is a fourth quarter one possession game. Xavier, how do you see this one playing out? I chose this game because I'm waiting for the Arizona State bubble to pop. I love, don't get me wrong. I, I love what they have going down there. But man, I, I, I sat and watched the, the recap of the Washington State game. And can I be brutally honest and say that they probably shouldn't have won that ball game? I mean, if there is a QB spy anywhere on, on the field, those Jayden damn Daniels Wazoo is, kids were just off the social media, they would have won. I, I mean, that's what it is. Jeez. I mean, too many big plays in that game that Washington State gave up that I don't think Utah is going to give up. Um, I think Jaden Daniels has played amazing for a freshman. However, I'm waiting for him to finally have that poorest game that you kind of expect out of a freshman. And going into Utah is exactly where I expect it to happen. Um, I feel like every year Whittingham gushes over Huntley and then he has a bad game. Uh, but I don't see it being this week. I think Utah wins this game handedly. I'm waiting. For, I've been waiting for the Arizona State bubble to pop. And, and, and a weird fact for you guys: the Pac-12 South right now is in a four-way tie for first place. 
UFC, Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State all are two and one in the conference right now, obviously with different records. So this loss for whoever does pick up the loss could be huge in the in, in the Pac-12 South standings at the current moment. Um, but yeah, I think Utah handles business at home. I'm I'm waiting to see Zach Moss really have a, a, a that explosion that I've been waiting to see him have all year against a good team. I think he does it this week um, against an Arizona State team that I think has gotten. I won't say they've gotten lucky in every game, but I do think they've gotten lucky in some performances this year uh, on the road against Utah. I don't see it happening. I think I think the Utes walk away with a big, big victory. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right as far as ASU and the you know kind of identity crisis slash being a young team. You know how how are you going to go on the road and beat Michigan State and then lose to Colorado at home? You know what I mean? That's not. That's not something that great teams do. It's just not. And I, so I don't think ASU is a great team, uh, but I think they're good enough to make this game close. I don't know that um, this will completely play out to be a close game. I feel like it's going to. Uh, Xavier doesn't, but Nick's kind of with me. So um, th- this game, uh, I think ASU can do – they like all outcomes are possible for the for the Sun Devils in this game. They could go in and get stomped. They could go in and come w- away with a win. I think the most likely scenario, though, the Occam's razor of this one is ASU. Uh, ASU loses by you know a touchdown or, or ten points somewhere in that range. I don't think it's thirteen and a half. I don't think it's two touchdowns. I don't think it's a blowout, and I don't see them going to Utah and winning. So I think the most likely scenario for that one is ASU losing by a little bit. Um, last one here, and uh, I hate this game. Uh, Michigan <laughs> is at Penn State. Uh, Penn State is favored by nine points. The over is 47, and they're going to lose. They're going to lose to Michigan at home because <laughs> Michigan has looked terrible the whole year. No one should expect them to win this game, and they're going to go in to Happy Valley and win uh, because that's things that happen in college football. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm if I, I'm picking right now, I'm picking Michigan because they have not looked like a team that could even come close to winning this game. So clearly they're going to win this one. So what what are you saying, Nick? <laughs> Well, I, I like your logic. You know, <laughs> <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know if I call it logic, but you know, it's my design, uh, I guess. So, so it's it's you know on on this uh, on this show in the past, I, I've talked about how I uh, have sort of fallen in love with Utah at different points. Uh, I think I'm falling in love with Penn State a little. Bit. Oh, here so we go. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I I keep. You know, I keep seeing this defense. I keep, you know, reading about the defense and and just sort of uh, looking at at you know. I just I, I just sort through all the leaderboards and it's just you know Wisconsin. All right, yeah, they're number one and everything. I get it. But Penn State, man, they just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. So I, I just I don't know. Xavier is uh, so frustrated by your take hand. here. So I what's that? Yeah, I, I said Xavier is so frustrated by your take. You could just hear him gasping <laughs> in the background. He does not I, like You know, it. I, I understand. I understand. Uh, I, I didn't want to, but, you know, so it's it's like a forbidden love, I guess. The heart wants what the heart wants, Nick. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and and it's, it's part of it, I guess, is, is I think I might finally uh, 
be ready to give up on Michigan a little bit. I, I did something <laughs> uh, with, with our numbers that that I had not done before. I, I, I uh, if you are a, a patron, if if you're a tier two uh, Patreon supporter, you, you've seen our team profiles, and that's sort of my my baby, my Bible, my whatever. That that's where I spend all my day, um, and uh, I do have a thing in there where I can override a player's rating if I think that they should should be higher rated. And and until a week ago, I had told myself I would not lower anyone's rating. Uh, I, I, you know, I would, I would, if they had a high rating, that's fine. If they need a higher rating, I'll give them a boost. Oh, but you had to do it to Shea Patterson? There were, there were a couple of quarterbacks that <laughs> I just, you know, I was like, these guys wow. just 100 rated quarterbacks. And so Shea Patterson, uh, is, is a you know super highly rated recruit when he signed with Ole Miss, uh, and he also did some really good things at Ole Miss. So he's got nine career production points. He had a decent year last year, um, but you know it wasn't a huge downgrade. But I did drop him down from a one hundred to a ninety four. Uh, what a and, loser! And, right, I know. All right, so it, it wasn't huge, but you know for me that was that's a pretty big step. Yeah. He, he yeah. Was, First ones to uh, to get the downgrade and, base and, you know, right there. So, so uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he will prove me wrong and and he will come out and have a great game and and I will uh, change that override and, and put it back to what it what it was previously. But uh, at this point, you know, Michigan just has not put it put it together offensively. They have not uh, played to their potential. Um, and, and there were some players who, uh, expected really big things out of, uh, who were, I hate to say it, probably a bit overrated. So, um, he was one that, that got that treatment and, and that didn't, you know, really, uh, have a huge impact at this point. We do expect Penn state, uh, to win by six, which in the preseason Michigan would have been a slight favorite. Um, but, uh, part of the reason is, is, uh, Penn State has done decently well uh, offensively, and I, I know Xavier uh, would would shudder, uh, <laughs> but uh, when you combine their offense uh, with their just elite defense, they actually rank in the top ten in net yards per play, which is is my favorite uh, number. If you haven't gotten the the uh, the just already, uh, it's my favorite number. They they've out gained opponents by well over two yards per play ranked eighth in the country in that number. And, and uh, they also rank sixth in team performance. So this is a, a legitimate top 10 team. They're playing at home. It's going to be a, a raucous environment. Michigan has not put it together offensively and they're going against one of the best defenses in the country. So uh, I, I do see Michigan covering. I don't think Penn State will be able to blow out Michigan because Michigan's defense is also quite good. Uh, but uh, do see a, a, a hopefully a little bit higher scoring than Penn State's win over Iowa last week, but see it as uh, the Nittany Lions 20 and Michigan 14. Oh, was, Xavier, I mean. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get him. <laughs> not only not only is Penn State not a bona fide top ten team, that the, they're they're easily, in my opinion, the most overrated team in the top ten right now. Um, and th- and this is why their te- their their offense th- this this offense against relatively good defenses, not even not even bona fide great defenses, even according to the numbers, Pittsburgh and Iowa have held them to under twenty points. Okay, I 
have Michigan doing that on Saturday. Also, I'm 20 points. <laughs> I, I, I don't see them scoring 20 points on Saturday. Their <laughs> offense has not shown me anything outside, anything to, to suggest that they can even put up that many points against a relatively good defense. I know Michigan at the same time has yet to play a good team since Iowa and obviously Wisconsin, but I'm not going to lie to you. In this game, and this is going to pay me so much to say this, so I better say it, it, it as quickly as possible. I trust Harbaugh more than I trust James Franklin. Oh, uh, James come Franklin on. in this ball. There's no I need do. to say absurd uh, things. Come on. I do. No, 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 I, you can I, I just do. say you don't trust either one of them. We'll, we'll, we'll take that. No, I do. I genuinely, I genuinely do. I, I, I trust, I, I don't trust Penn State in this ballgame. I never trust Penn State when they are the favorite to win when it's a rank-to-rank matchup. I mean, I, you I, know when you're on a podcast, that stuff goes up for and it doesn't come down. Like it, You know, it's, that's, it's, that's, that's, that's perfectly fine. If Michigan gets steamrolled, then I'll never trust the khaki pants man again, and I, will, and I won't lose any sleep over it. However, I think Penn State loses this ballgame at home. I think Michigan picks up a big win before getting stomped next week by Notre Dame. But I think Michigan goes on the road, beats Penn State, and Penn State finally gets shown out for the frauds that they are. Not saying that Michigan is actually a good ball club. I just think Penn State, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, Nick, and, and you're falling in love with Penn love. State. I, they, have not, they, they haven't shown me anything remotely. I, he might be making the Kool-Aid. He might be <laughs> yeah, the well, David Koresh yeah, over he's, here. He's adding all the sugar. But I, I'm... I'm more inclined to go with Michigan in this game. I think Shea Patterson has more experience, although you did finally drop him down, which I think all of college football fans rejoiced when you did that. <laughs> I think that he has more experience going into this game. You know, and I think that has to account for something. I think Michigan's defense is going to get after that QB and make his life hell on Saturday. I think Michigan walks away with a, a victory that can salvage their season for a week until they play Notre Dame next week. Ah. Uh. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. The heart's about to get torn apart. Penn State is just not a top ten team in my in my head in my uh, estimation. I I, I think they're overrated. I I don't think they're going yes. to. I I don't think they're going to kill. Um, I, I don't I don't think Michigan's going to kill Penn State. I think Penn State's defense is good. Oh, yeah. But I I just I see this as you know a worse predicament than Iowa for Penn State and they only put up 17 points against Iowa it, you know we just saw Michigan beat Iowa so I think that you know I, and I'm not one to compare victories and all that kind of stuff not all of the time does you know just because your X team beat Y team is it now more impressive because whatever team looks better that doesn't always work for me but I think in this scenario uh, you know those games were played fairly recently um, so it does. So I think that this is a Michigan kind of drubbing of Penn State. Look, and I can't, I'm not saying this on the, in this league pod because, uh, you know, Blaze is a huge Penn State fan. So <laughs> I just, I'm like, oh man, you can't go to the game. Those tickets are expensive. That sucks. And I'm thinking like, man, I'm glad you're not going to that game. I don't want you in a bad mood. So, you know, <laughs> um, I think that, I think Penn State's going to lose this game, but I don't think it's going to be. You know, it's it's less because Michigan is good and more because Penn State isn't as good as they played, I think. So, yes, uh, it's kind of one of those who have you played so far, you know, and I just I don't know. I don't know who they played so far. And um, 
Who's the best team they have played, Nick? Who, what's the best win for Penn State? Iowa. Yeah, it's uh, the best team is Iowa. I mean, they're they're Iowa's still a top twenty team according to to our numbers. Um, so, you know, that's it, and, and they certainly were not dominant. But um, you know, I, I uh, and keep in mind, I mean, I, I it, it sounds like it's it's two against one here, but really. <laughs> We're all on the same side. Yeah. Because, yeah. because uh, we've got nine points to play with there. And uh, I'm going to be rooting for Michigan to cover so that, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm typing up at three in the morning or whenever it is, uh, I can put a little uh, what we got right. Michigan plus nine. I will I will happily do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 clearly, I was the best team. I mean, they looked yeah. great against Maryland, but who knows what Maryland is? Pitt, they did not look great. Who knows what Pitt is? I mean, are they good? Are they not? The changes from week to week, and they were losing at halftime to Buffalo. Uh, so, yeah, the only other Big Ten game is Purdue. Yeah, you know, they're right. they're about as banged up as it gets. Uh, so, they have not really uh, been tested, other than at Iowa and and. It is worth mentioning. I mean, they played Iowa last week. They got a little bit, uh, you know, that was a tough, hard-fought game. Played to the wire on the road. Coming back home and playing another uh, ranked opponent, a, a potentially top 10 from a talent standpoint opponent. Um, and that could have been a look-ahead game, even against Iowa. You yeah. know, it could have been a look-ahead game at, at uh, because you got Michigan coming up, and Michigan is obviously a tough team to beat. But... Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to. That's going to be a fun one to watch. And I'll be thinking about this conversation as I'm watching that game on Saturday. So going to going to be a good one. And by no means am I rooting for Michigan ever. I hate Jim Harbaugh with a fiery passion. I do not like that guy. So I, I would uh, love to see Michigan lose. Um, and I don't I, I like Michigan fans. One of my uh, you know best friends and old roommate is a huge, huge Michigan fan. And, uh, you know, I don't have any ill will towards Michigan whatsoever, but um, I do not like Jim Harbaugh. So um, that's uh, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. We're just going to end on my hating Jim Harbaugh note. But uh, <laughs> Nick, uh, tell everybody about the Patreon, what they get, what they sign up and all that stuff. Yeah, so I uh, mentioned uh, a few times already, our patrons get uh, all of our final score predictions. Uh, each week we go through, and, and you'll see how uh, the games stack up as far as our team strength power ratings go. Uh, we do do a final score prediction for each game, so you can use that for your informational purposes, uh, however however you so choose. And then uh, if you want to take it the next step, if you want to see all those individual player ratings, uh, do uh, consider supporting us at Tier 2 and uh, get access to those uh, FBS team profiles. All 130 teams, player ratings, over uh, 11,000 different player ratings, coach ratings, all kinds of good stuff. So uh, patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge if you're interested in supporting us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That was uh, it's a good show this week. Uh, I think these games are going to be a lot of fun to watch. 
Um, and if uh, Texas can be Kansas, then you're going to have to find a new host. So I, I would be done with college football if that happens. The Mad Hatter time, baby. Oh, uh, God. It better not happen. So uh, <laughs> that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, like I said, you can find us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier. And uh, good luck in all your matchups, and we will see you next week. Take it easy, everybody.